1: Welcome to Lockbox. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I am here with George Fajardo. George, thanks for being with us.
0: Thanks, Jeffrey. Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So kick it off. Tell our listeners who you are, where you're from.
0: Yeah. So my name is George Fajardo. I am a managing partner with Keystone Property Investments. Uh, we're located in South Florida. We're primarily a, um, a real estate investment firm. Uh, we do all types of syndications in, in different asset classes, you know, we do uh, single-family rehabs, standard fix and flips. We do single-family development, ground-up development, as well as uh, multifamily uh, syndications for uh, stabilization, repositioning. Uh, we also do new construction as well. You know, we have a conventional uh, retail brokerage farm as well, and we also lend. And uh, recently, we, uh, we branched out also into the tech space. So we kind of do a little bit of everything, but it's all you know interconnected under the way I see it under the same umbrella, which is real estate.
1: Right. Now, it's so interesting how so many aspects of the industry, they tie together around the transaction. And the real estate professional is typically so sold to on a daily basis because they're the focus point of a massive transaction and there are so many service providers along the way and so i think it's more common nowadays for brokerages investment firms to start to vertically integrate is, is kind of like the the corporate term for it it's like we were doing marketing you know Out of house now let's bring it in house we were doing you know the capital portion out of house now let's bring it in house and then you know that way they can serve their clients better um you know offer better rates better terms better everything and so i think it's a really smart thing to do as you grow uh, because it just gives you this unique competitive advantage It's awesome i'm curious what got you into the real estate industry to start with
0: well i got into real estate back in 2002 Fresh out of college, uh, I was coming out of Florida State University, FSU, go Knowles! with a degree in finance. And I had two options. You know, I thought I wanted to be a stockbroker. I was uh, I had an offer to go to work at um, a company, uh, LaSalle Street Financial, uh, brokerage out of Chicago. They had a, a branch office down here in South Florida. And then my other option was to go into um, mortgage, mortgages, mortgage lending. And so I had a few friends that were in the mortgage lending side. And, you know, 22 years old coming out of college, they had just graduated maybe the semester before me and they're showing me their paychecks. They're like, Hey, we made, you know, 12 grand this month, 15 grand this month at 22 years old. You know, you're like, Whoa, this is, uh, <laughs> it's like, I'm rich, Amazing, um, yeah. you know, and I had some other friends and the other, and they're like, well, you know, it's a grind. And, you know, it's like, well, let me go over here. This seems to be kind of the, the passive lease resistance. So, you know, from there I got into, uh, to the mortgage industry, eventually, ended up opening my own um, mom and pop brokerage, mortgage brokerage, all the way from you know 2004 through about 2008, right when the when the housing market crashed. Uh, you know, I was kind of riding high at that point, 28 years old, not a care in the world, thought it was going to be, you know, uh, <laughs> like rainbows and, and unicorns the whole way through, right? And then, uh, well, sure enough, you know, a little bit of a wake up call. So from there, I took my lending and banking and housing knowledge. And I parlayed that into um, the consumer protection side, I went to work at a law firm that specialized in foreclosure defense. And Hmm. uh, eventually from there, I uh, became their uh, director of loss mitigation, where we were focusing primarily on working out settlements for the foreclosure side, meaning loan modifications, short sales, short payoffs, uh, you know, just different types of settlements to help out the distressed borrowers at the time. And, um, you know, I did that from about 2008, 2009 till about 2015 when I actually opened a company, Keystone Property Investments. And um, it's funny because the reason I did that is because through the loss mitigation side, especially in the short sale side, you know, we were obviously helping on our clients, but I was noticing that, you know, we were selling the properties or, you know, the same buyers kept coming back buying multiple properties obviously discounted properties uh, that were um, you know being sold as short sales and then I'm like well that looks interesting you know before the crash I had four rentals okay which I actually ended up giving up through the short sale process myself because they were you know completely upside down so, so in
1: 08 and- you actually ended up forfeiting those four be- through the short sale process and now 10 years later ish, you're on the other side of it, seeing the process happen. Is that right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's interesting because I found myself in 08 negotiating my own short sales before anyone really understood what a short sale was before it was such a popular term. I mean, quite honestly, it was kind of like trial by fire because I found myself negotiating with the bank. Uh, you know, basically a short sale of my own properties without really fully understanding it at the time. So that was uh, that was a crash course in, in loss mitigation, if you will, which mm-hmm. I then was able to use that experience and parlay it. I mean, you know, with the law firm, we had a weekly uh, radio show, local radio show down here called the Home Mortgage Law Show. And um, it was so prevalent, especially down here in, in South Florida, the number of foreclosures at the time that, you um, You know, we at one point we had over 5,000 clients, (laughs) you know, and so it was a large firm. And so we were able to help a lot of people. At some point during that period of time, I got the bright idea to go to law school. So I ended up getting my law degree. I don't practice, but it comes in handy every single day. And so, yeah, from there we started, uh, you know, the investing side. One thing led to another. We started primarily wholesaling. From there, we started rehabbing. Eventually, we were rehabbing. We were averaging about, you know, 2017, 18, 19, I would say about 30 to 40 rehabs a year. We were buying at a pace of seven to 10 properties a quarter. And 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 this is single family? These were all single family at the time. Mm -hmm. And that's when we said, well, hey, you know, we're obviously, you know, listing all of our flips. You know, we're paying all this money out, you know, commissions. Why don't we, you know, bring it back to this side of the table. And so, uh, my partner decided to go ahead and go out and get her, uh, brokerage, uh, you know, a broker's license. And we opened the brokerage, uh, which is an arm of Keystone, which is uh, KPI international realty. And then, you know, the rest is history.
1: That's, That's awesome. Day day. Yeah, no, great story and timeline, you know, it all revolves around real estate really, but just different facets of it and continuing to evolve the vision. That's great. And I'm curious now in you know 2021, you know what was your, I don't want to say transaction volume because that doesn't really sum it up, but you know I want to paint the picture of where you are now and then have you give advice to those that might be just a little bit behind you on the journey and looking to level up. So yeah, you know, how do you measure your your business?
0: So uh, absolutely. And so you know the first thing I'll say is that my goal is primarily is to to share my journey and, and for others to see, that it's possible. So I don't proclaim to have even reached where I want to be, where their goals are. Uh, I consider that, you know, we're somewhere somewhere in the middle of the road. And so I'm hoping that someone that's maybe starting on their journey can take some lessons from from me, someone that's maybe more, more attainable, more within their reach, as opposed to someone that perhaps, you know, it's, it may seem too far out of their reach or too, you know, maybe unrealistic. So, sure. you know, I want to kind of give the people that are coming up, you know, behind us, sort of the the hope and the vision that, hey, look, you know, if this person can do it, you know, I can do it. And so right now, where we are, for example, on the investing side, as I mentioned before, we have uh, we have 38 doors, multifamily. We had another small 20-unit building uh, that we sold within the last year or so. So now we have left with 38 doors. We have. Well, we flipped over 150 single families in the course of the past, let's say, five years or so. Uh, and as I mentioned, you know, I'm proud of that because we started basically wholesaling. You know, I remember when I was, you know, trying to figure out where we were going to get the money to to fund our first flip. And now where I sit here today, we actually have uh, several Seven-figure spec home luxury development projects going on, with a few more in the pipeline coming up with, uh, you know, larger development projects. So we have about 15 million under management, and our goal is to uh, hopefully hit 50 by the end of the year. So for you know whatever's left on on the third quarter here, and obviously on the on the fourth quarter, uh, we're looking to almost triple where we're at right now based on what we actually have in the pipeline. And so we're very proud of that. And, you know, on the broker's side, because we started with just basically our, our goal was just to sell our own deals. Now we're growing right. that as well. So we're in recruitment <laughs> mode. And and so we're trying to grow the the brokerage as well.
1: That's awesome. And I'm curious if you have any advice for the either the investor, um, I guess the investment would be the best area of your expertise. You know, the investor that uh, might be doing couple properties a year, a couple, you know, two, three, four a year, and would like to level up to doing, you mentioned acquiring seven to 10 a quarter, um, you know, and and that would be a massive jump for someone that is only doing a few a year. So what kind of things do they need to focus on in order to get to that next level?
0: Well, you know, the main thing is relationship building. Okay. So you have to start uh, building relationships with with the contractors in your area with lenders in your area, uh, hard money lenders, private lenders i 'm a huge proponent of leverage and obviously, if you have to know how to use leverage properly right so you don 't get yourself in trouble so definitely educate yourself, but when it comes to leverage i mean that 's how we grew our business. Uh, we started using the syndication model. Before we even realized that we were actually syndicating, you know, where basically, and, you know, granted, I did have a little bit of an advantage because I do, I, I, I come from the lending world originally. And so I understand how leverage works, but that was basically our model. We would partner up, We, you know, basically used to joint venture, the term joint venture, but it's really a syndication with one or maybe two funding partners as we call them. And so we would take on the debt side and they would bring in the, the equity side. In other words, the money for the down payment, the carrying costs, holding costs, so on and so forth. And we would just form a joint venture, you know, 50-50, 60-40, whatever, whatever structure we negotiated for that particular deal, that particular property. And it just grew from there, you know. And again, it was building relationships with with my investors or, or, like I said, funding partners, as I like to call them, and as well as our lenders. And so we got to the point where, you know, we have lenders offering us excellent terms. I mean, we were, you know, we're able to fund even now in the new construction the majority of the of the transaction through the debt side and just um, you know, whatever we need to cover the gap with on the equity side which allows us to, you know, do multiple deals with a finite or limited amount of capital on that right. end. and now we've we've taken that that same model and we've gone from, you know, a $200,000 flip to where right now I have you know, a $3 million build on one property, you know, 1.5 on another, and so on and so forth. And so it's just a matter of getting that knowledge and and slowly but surely applying those lessons and and scaling and not being afraid of the numbers. Because at the end of the day, you know, the difference between 200 and 2 million is just, you know, an extra zero. (laughs) (laughs) And so if you know how to work the numbers, and you're confident in your in your ability, then that's the key. And obviously, you have to build up to that.
1: Got it. And a big focus on relationships, which all my top producing guests say that. It's so funny that yeah. it always comes back to relationships. And on the investment side, you mentioned relationships, not only with your clients, with your capital partners, but also with contractors and lenders. And you know, you got to have so many other relationships outside of just being a real estate professional and focusing on buyers and sellers, right? But with that being said, even in the real estate side, solely, you have to have so many relationships with, I mean, great escrow people in your area because, hey, if escrow is falling through, then that's not a good thing, right? And and it's all about relationships. It just, it's every episode I ask that question that comes up, it's a reminder to me to like double down on my relationships. So thanks for bringing that up. Appreciate yeah, it. No, and it,
0: it, uh, it's f- no, it's funny. I was going to say on yeah, I had a, a funny story. My first flip was actually um my equity partner was actually also my the contractor. Mm. So, you know, this was someone that I had met through a local the you know the local RIA real estate investor association down here in Miami and, and we had uh you know Struck up a friendly relationship. Um, they also did inspections. So even on my wholesales, they were doing all my inspections, which I would turn around and use as a negotiation tool to maybe get a low a price reduction that I could either pass on to my buyer or or increase my yield spread. So it was, you know, it was a nice relationship that I had with this contractor. And, you know, the day came when I had a great deal that I just didn't want to just wholesale it, pass it on. And I approached them about it and said, Hey, do you want to partner up? I'll get the loan, you know, you bring the, the rehab budget and you do the project. Who better than to manage the project to make sure that it comes in on time and, on, you know, under budget than the person that's putting up the money <laughs> themselves, right? And sure. Um, <laughs> and sure enough, you know, it, it worked out. And since then, uh, we've done probably maybe a dozen deals together. Mm-hmm. And so that was a great lesson that I took from that, that I apply even to this day where I don't necessarily, you know, partner up with all my contractors, but at the same time, it's it's I build that relationship with them. And same thing on the escrow side, you know, with uh, my closing attorney, you know, we're great friends to this day. We, we, we met through investing and we've actually partnered up on another, you know, half a dozen handful of deals that we've actually, as partners, gone in and acquired the property and and it's worked out great as well. And, you know, I go to them for all my closings, you know? (laughs) So, so again, it's, it's all about that relationship. So that's, that's really the
1: key. Got it. Makes sense. And now I want to focus on your single most important action that you take on a daily basis that attributes most to your success. Do you have any one thing that's super important and you attribute a lot of your (laughs) success to?
0: Yeah, it's literally taking action. <laughs> That's mm. the one single, uh, you know, most important thing I would say, because I've personally fallen sort of uh, victim to this where, you know, the procrastination, right, where, you know, if you have sort of your day mapped out, and, you know, if you kind of just sit there and, and overthink it, or put something in the back burner, it just becomes, you know, the snowball effect that then could become overwhelming. And to me, it's always been about taking action where, for example, you know, I hear a lot of people say, well, you know, I took a course, but the course didn't work out. It was a scam or this, that, or the other. And I'm like, listen, I've gone to a lot of these courses. I invested a lot in education, but the one key factor that I see across the board every time between the people that are successful and the ones that aren't is taking action in and of itself. There's a lot of people that'll sit there. You hear the term paralysis by analysis all the time, right? Where they're like, well, you know, I'm looking at this property and, um, you know, I'm studying the numbers, I'm studying the numbers and they don't really pull the trigger. They don't make a decision. They don't take action. And one of two things happens either. If they do intend on taking action, they eventually do. Chances are that deal, if it's really a good deal, it's not going to be there. Right. I mean, I've learned this lesson where I've, I've missed out on deals by literally by by hours where, you know, I looked at it this morning. I said, listen, let me come back to you. And later that afternoon, I'm talking about four or five hours later. Hey, I'm ready to go. And it's like, wow, it's well, it's not there anymore. <laughs> and, right. and it really is that quick. And so, you know, just learning to trust your ability to make decisions. OK, and, and be able to make those decisions quickly and act upon them quickly, I think just across the board is one of the most important factors when, especially in the investing side.
1: I couldn't agree more. One of my coaches said, Jeff, you're a wicked implementer. And what he meant by that was, you know, I I went through some coaching like four years ago and they had challenged me to charge more for what my agency was offering. But I intrinsically knew that that meant that I needed to add more value because You don't ever get something for nothing. And if you do, it's not going to last long. The person will find out, whatever. So if you want to sustain success, you have to offer value that exceeds whatever you're charging for it. And so when they said, you got to double your prices, I'm like, wow, okay, let's do this. And so I told them to give me a month. I blew up everything that I had been doing previously and completely reinvented my business from the ground up. And like resurfaced four weeks later with a brand new offer, ready to go. And they're like, wow, you really uh, dove in, took action and implemented everything that we suggested that you do. And I was like, yeah, that's why I'm paying you for coaching. Like (laughs) I wanted that guidance. And I feel like they probably have so many of their students or, you know, their mentees that come through. They give them advice or coaching and direction and they just don't implement. So yeah, yeah. action, action is huge. That's the entire foundation of this podcast, action items for success from top real estate professionals. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah the gap between idea and success is the implementation. Otherwise, right. you know, the idea just dissolves into thin air if you don't act on it.
1: Yep, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So nowadays, I'm curious how you're sourcing deals. You know, what's your percentage of uh, referral business to new business that's coming from like some kind of lead generation source?
0: Yeah. So that's sort of where our tech side comes in. So about a year ago, let me backtrack a little bit. So okay. I was I was always um, very interested in, you know, paid ads, Facebook ads, social media ads, whether IG, Facebook, uh, even YouTube. And it's... Um, one of those things where it's like a well-known secret that, that has the most mystery in it because no one knows how to really, you know, or the majority, especially in the, in the real estate space, the majority of, of people in the real estate space don't really know how to, how to use it properly. And mm. so where the tech side comes in is that we've actually developed our own lead gen platform that we've been beta testing in our own business for the last year, and uh, and now recently, over the course of the last three or four months or so, somewhere at the beginning of the last quarter, we started uh, beta testing it with other with other real estate agents, and it's been working out great. You know, we're using you know our own IP, our intellectual property, and essentially what it is is that it uses artificial intelligence, our own algorithms, in conjunction with uh, the Facebook Pixel. Uh, to optimize targeting and retargeting. And uh, we're, we're able to really bring down our, our cost per lead down with actually very, very high quality leads. So, and we're actually using it in multiple verticals. So we're using it in our retail brokerage side, as well as uh, our investing side. That's, you know, so for the most part, if you think about it, the process is the same. You're still targeting homeowners or sellers, at least from the investor side, right, uh, where the idea is, okay, you know, let's look for a certain type of property where it's distressed so on and so forth on the investment side, but on the, on the retail side, obviously let's just target anybody that, you know, that's a potential client, whether it's a buyer or a seller. And so we've been perfecting it on those two verticals and uh, we're planning to now implement it in our third vertical, which is uh, the lending side of our business. And so that's something that we've, we've been uh, placing a very heavy emphasis on. Uh, because we do plan on actually rolling it out, hopefully here by, I would say, by the beginning of the fourth quarter and start actually marketing it to uh, to the public. So that's, you know, that's our primary source of leads right now. And then again, you know, everything else, you know, comes from word of mouth relationships. We have, uh, we built some relationships with, um, you know, we have an acquisitions team. And so we have relationships with, uh, you know, asset managers from lenders on the investing side. Uh, we have, you know, asset managers. Uh, that we talk to, that that send us deals, other brokers that send us deals first, uh, even wholesalers that'll send us deals, uh, because they know that that we perform, that that will actually close. And so you know, we do what we say we're gonna do. And so that's going back to the whole relationship aspect of it. That um, you know, once once you establish yourself and you build a reputation, then sort of like the deals, the deals come to you more easily.
1: Right. No, that ma- that makes sense. Are you prepared for some follow-up questions about that? Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely.
1: Awesome. I mean, you said higher quality leads, lower cost and, you know, talking to a marketing agency owner myself, that obviously hits on some, some key things that every single client wants higher quality, lower cost. So, you know, if you've created some algorithm or formula that has accomplished that goal, that's very interesting. So I'm curious mainly about the multifamily space because okay. generating leads for single family homes is so different than generating leads for sellers of five units and up. So I agree. do you, ha- do you have, you know, I know that you're in multifamily syndications, you've been in both yeah. sides. Do you have yeah. a lead gen product for multifamily?
0: So we're still in the testing phase, you know, stages for the multifamily, because again, it's all about the targeting, but when it comes in the single family space, for example, we're seeing through Facebook paid ads on, a, let's say, a $5 to $7 daily ad spend. We're looking at about 130 to 150 leads per month, uh, which is bringing our cost per lead down to anywhere between $0.90 cents to $1.10 per lead. And as you know, coming from the marketing standpoint, uh, you know it's more of a warm lead because now they're responding to to an ad and they're expecting to hear back from you as opposed to cold calling. And so with the systems that we have in place that go along with that. So the way that our Legion platform works is, as I mentioned before, we have all our own IP. So we actually have, uh, it took us about a year to get our own plugin license directly with Facebook, so we can run everything directly from our platform. So we're also focused on the user experience, the accessibility, making it easy for someone, for a real estate agent, let's say, for example, to come in and be able to use this platform themselves, where I I found that there was a big gap in the market where technology, you know, nowadays, the way things are going with Zillow, iBuyers and, you know, Redfin and, and all these big companies using technology to their advantage, I feel that, you know, real estate agents that aren't using that and even investors that aren't using it are, are going to slowly but surely be left behind. So, from the the user interface standpoint, as I mentioned before, it, you know it's something that everybody knows works. But you hear also here on the flip side of it, horror stories where oh, you know, I, I put in all this money and I don't get any leads, or my accounts gets blocked, and you know now I can't unblock my account, my Facebook account, so on and so forth. And so we've sort of made that easier for the for the end user. And um, on the other side of that, there's other systems that come in place with it, right? So what do you do once you get the lead? Obviously, you know, you have to have other systems in place to be able to follow up with that lead, manage those leads. And so we have basically we've created an all in one integrated system for that.
1: And does that include chat marketing? I, I noticed yeah. one of, one of your your eBooks online was like messenger bot strategies or something along those lines. And, you know, my agency is really big into chat marketing. So is that something that is included as far as the yeah. follow up after the lead is submitted?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's say, you know, you have someone, you know, in bed scrolling through their phone at 2 a.m., you know, obviously, you know, you're sleeping, You're unless you have someone sitting around the clock 24 hours, more often than not, you're not going to be able to get back to that lead so the next day or something like that, and as you know, as we know that when it comes to marketing, the sooner you respond to that lead, your chances of of actually converting that lead increase exponentially. And a so that's percent. where the yeah, and that's where the automatic uh, responder chatbot. So for example, with our platform, uh, because we're integrated again, we have the license plugin, our own our own plugin. We don't use a third party. We're directly with um, integrated with Facebook. We're actually able to set up our chatbot to respond to that that lead through their messenger as well as sms but specifically speaking through facebook messenger they'll get the response so they're already on facebook they click on an ad they automatically get a response through a facebook messenger immediately pretty much within the first minute of them clicking on that lead and then autobot responder so obviously we built it out so they can actually have a conversation and Literally, the way it works is if, if, if applied properly, you know, you wake up the next day and you look at your calendar and you have a, an appointment. You know, you already have that conference call, that appointment, Zoom call, what have you already scheduled for you on your preset availability. And, uh, and it's a great tool to have. I mean, we use it in our business every day. We have, you know, we wake up and we have our calendar already preset.
1: That's the dream. And it's yeah. a, not an easy goal to accomplish. I'm curious if your chat experience has conversational AI, because there's a difference between a question answer tree, where they have to click certain buttons, or maybe they have a user input text field, but it's, it's a preset question answer tree. There's a difference between that and them being able to type anything and having a conversational AI database, interpret, understand that intent, and then respond with the proper response. Yeah. So do, do you have a conversational AI built in?
0: So we're working on the ladder. So right now in our initial beta, what we have is a conversation tree. So we try to limit mm-hmm. it to specific options. The idea is to lead them down a path where we can hopefully just uh, get them to the to the appointment setting right. and have that. But that's actually something that we do have in the works. Like I said, right now we're we're just wrapping up the initial, I guess, what we'll call it, you know phase one of the beta testing to roll it out. But um, I mean, we've been we've been getting great, great results from it.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, and and anything that you've been using yourself and seeing results, you know, it, it speaks volumes because you weren't creating this in a vacuum. You're actually using this every day and improving it and making it better and better and actually closing deals from it. So that's that's awesome. And yeah, and I,
0: and I think that's the key. We we you know, our original intent was just to create a tool for us. And so we found that it's been working so well that we said, hey, you know, we actually, we're onto something here. And, uh, you know, we have a viable product that we can actually bring out to market.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So where do you think the industry is heading? That kind of leads us into the next question. You know, you're building some pretty futuristic technology, some similar technology that I myself have invested in. And I'm curious what your five, 10 year projections are for the industry. You know, no one has a crystal ball, but (laughs) what do you think is coming?
0: Well, you know, obviously uh, anybody that that's kind of, you know, staying sort of in the loop with the news and where they see where things are going. I mean, just right now, you know, go back to, um, Zillow, they're becoming one of the largest iBuyers. They're also, you know, have their brokerage that um, they're rolling out in multiple states. I think there are about five or six states right now, and that keeps growing almost daily. Redfin, you know, so um, OfferPad, all these I buyers, they all have a heavy emphasis. And so that's why, like I said, we rolled out or we're planning on rolling out what we're doing because of the fact that I feel that the the little guy, you know, the sort of the middle of the of the road agent or brokerage that doesn't necessarily have the deep pockets like these larger companies do to invest in technology for themselves, uh, you know, we have to level the, the playing field somehow. So, you know, if agents or brokers that are not have a focus or an eye towards implementing some level of technology in their in their business they're pretty much going to be left behind they're going to be priced out of the one of the biggest things i i see uh especially here in the florida market and i know it's across the board nationwide is that a lot of agents don't don't treat the business like a business (laughs) you know they don't invest in the business a lot of times it feels like they treat it almost like um you know, it's kind of like that whole tier with multi-level marketing, you know, where people say, well, you know, because if you don't treat it like a business, that's you're not going to get the results that you're looking for out of it. And I feel the same goes for, um, for real estate. A lot of people just think that they're going to get their license and they're going to talk to their friends, their family, and that all these deals are going to fall in their lap. And they don't really have any, any systems in place to really grow and scale and, and actually uh, treat it as a, as a business as they should. And so along with that comes the use of, of tools that will help you stay competitive in this evolving in this evolving market.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Technology is only becoming more important advanced by COVID, right? Absolutely. Technology was probably kicked up 5 years in its user adoption from the COVID-19 18-month pandemic. And so with that being said, that accelerated the need to adapt to technology as a real estate professional investor, you know, mortgage broker. I mean, the consumer is now so comfortable doing virtual tours, Zoom. I mean, yep. all this technology is so second nature now, where even a couple of years ago, I was on different I mean, it was like two years ago. It's not even very far in the past, but it was pre-COVID. And I was on different sides of the county in San Diego of a partner that wanted to kind of connect and talk about a strategic partnership. And I said, hey, let's Zoom. And he's like, what's that? Right. Yeah, and yeah. and so nowadays, everyone knows it. Their, their children are on it. I mean, th- just that's one piece of software that... You know, it's an example for everything else that has become even more user adopted, virtual tours, 3D touring, you know, sitting on their couch and doing so much of the transaction. So I agree that the iBuyers are a disruptive piece of technology that are really catering to the consumer. I mean, the consumer has put in their vote, right? They like that, (laughs) that's why Zillow, Redfin, all of them, that's why they have so much user engagement is because the consumer says, oh, I like this. And so you shouldn't ignore that as a real estate professional, but there are ways to instill, remain relevant, insert yourself in that process. And it does circle back, in my opinion, on the relationship building. There will always be a need for a local expert with an extreme customer service. And that's how you differentiate, right? Hyper local and focusing on customer service and yeah. relationships. But you still gotta be fishing upstream. You have to be fishing upstream, just like the the I buyers that are putting out, you know, lists of homes for 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 the buyers and putting out guides for the sellers and, and free home eval tools. And you have to be out there with them at the top of the funnel. Otherwise, the
0: technology. Yeah, the, the technology gets your foot in the door, but like right. you said, the the relationship, the customer service, is what keeps the client engaged, and that's what'll you know keep them coming back or or bringing you know getting you that next referral. Uh, but I think it's the most scalable way uh, to grow your business much quicker is by the use of technology.
1: Yeah. No. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And next, you know, I want to focus on. <laughs> what your process is for evaluating what to say no to because you have a lot going on you have a brokerage an investment firm a technology company i mean that alone is just mind-blowing for most people i mean one one of those entities is a huge huge undertaking so when you're getting different offers you know vendors coming and pitching you their products uh deals coming across your desk every day what's your process for evaluating what to say no to
0: Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I say no to deals (laughs) all the time, you know, especially through our social media reach and and just uh, the relationship that that we've built. We're constantly being bombarded with different deals. And so it's about having the system in place. So on the acquisition side, you know, we have a team in place to, you know, evaluate the deals. We We have specific criteria, certain I guess you could say rules that we go by so that we can, you know, make sure that, you know, a deal that comes across our desk is going to meet those criteria before we go on to the second stage. And it's about being able to evaluate that within a matter of seconds, maybe minutes say okay this is something that's worth looking into okay let's dig deeper into it let's actually start doing some due diligence but we got to be able to make that determination with the amount of volume that we that we see coming across you know our desk within a matter of you know split seconds or minutes so you're not sitting there wasting hours analyzing a deal that you know you're not gonna end up doing eventually
1: is it okay if we dive deeper on that on the deal side Yeah. yeah yeah, okay So I'm curious what specific metrics you're looking at then. Is it NOI? Is it cap rate? Like what's the one, two, three KPIs, key productivity indicator? Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> what 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 are like the one, two, or three metrics you're looking at and saying, nope, doesn't okay, meet our so threshold, it, doesn't meet our yeah. criteria.
0: Yeah. So um for example, with multifamily, right? Perfect. So and again, this comes from education and, you know, I, I'm not here to reinvent the wheel, right? So, you know, I took the mentorship and, and I'm, I'm a firm believer in in education and, and actually investing in your education yourself. And so, I mean, I got this from uh, Dave Lindell. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He has a, a mentorship there out of Boston. And um, the main, you know, on the multifamily, you got to look at your, you know, your entry cap rate. Okay that's something that you got to look at initially from there, your debt service ratio and your cash on cash. And we have specific criteria that we're looking at. And obviously it might vary from market to market, right? So like we were Mm -hmm. talking about earlier, you know, in South Florida, you know, the average deal you're going to get on a multifamily entry level is, you know, if if you see something coming across your desk at a five or five and a half percent, that's actually considered a good deal, but that doesn't meet our criteria. So I don't invest in multifamily, Well, let me rephrase that. We don't reposition multifamily in South Florida. We'll build in South Florida where we come in, acquire the lot, build out the construction, and then now we're the seller at a four and a half, maybe five cap on new construction. But on something that we're going to reposition, you know, we don't necessarily do it here. So we go to other markets where, let's say, you know, we want to come in at somewhere around the seven or an eight cap where there's still a value add opportunity there, maybe bump it up another two points uh, once it's all said and done. Uh, But, you know, we have specific guidelines, again, going back to the use of tools. So, you know, again, we've invested in deal analyzers. We can, you know, we, we just have certain data points that we're looking for. We're able to plug those in. And get the answer we're looking for, whether it's going to be a year and a and all within a matter of, you know, seconds or minutes. And then it's also having the right team to do that. Right. So, again, as you mentioned, all the different verticals that I have in place, you know, it's it's about having the right people in place as well. So we have the right people to, that's just doing that. Whereas on the lead gen platform, we have VAs that are calling the leads and, and handling all of that side of it. Something that I didn't mention, uh, we're actually building out our own um, I guess you want to call it vacation rental management company uh, because I also have a vacation rental portfolio. And we're recently just uh, started the process of transitioning that and bring that in-house. So again, now we had to build that, you know, the, the, the people for that. So we use a lot of EAs when it comes for calls, for lead generation, for certain administrative stuff. Obviously then, you know, we have the project managers on the construction side, on the rehab side. And then, you know, I have other partners that do the financial analysis side. So it's just about having the, the right team in place and everybody knows their, what role to play.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And I appreciate you sharing the specific metrics that you, you look into for a deal. You know, that, that type of specific feedback and advice is I think the most valuable. And uh, I really appreciate you sharing that. So is there a question that I should have asked you or anything that you'd like to elaborate on from earlier?
0: You know, I was thinking about this earlier and um, something that we haven't touched on that I'm really, really big on is um, mindset. Mm. (laughs) As an entrepreneur, you're going to have your ups and downs, right? You're going to have your good days, your bad days. It doesn't even necessarily have to be a bad day. It's just you're going to encounter some challenges and obstacles along the way. And this is something that I literally apply on a day-to-day basis where you can't allow yourself, you have to have the right mindset, right? You can't allow yourself to get bogged down on the challenge. Yes, you have to identify the, the challenge, the problem. I don't even like using the word problem, right? Like I, I prefer to call it a challenge because what I've realized is that it's just something else that that has to be overcome or, or you know, you just have to find the solution. So when you're focused on the solution, your mind is more open towards different ideas and different aspects. So when you're focused on the problem, Believe it or not, you're not, it's harder to arrive at that solution or it may take you longer to arrive Mm. at the solution. So the minute you identify that problem, that challenge, then you have to automatically shift your focus to what are the different solutions. And um, Sony Robbins uses the analogy, you know, race car driver, you know, they're focused on the road. Because if you look at the wall, what happens? If you're going 200 miles per hour, you look at the wall. You're gonna, you're actually gonna run into end the, up wall at the wall. Yeah, end up at the wall, right? So that's what we are. Busy. We're going 200 miles per hour. I gotta be focused on where I want to be, not where I don't want to be. So not on the problem, but you know wh- where I want to arrive at is at that solution. So that's that's what we got to focus on. So and one of the reasons I'm I'm so big on mindset is because um, from personal experience, I, I you know I remember in my 20s when I was first started off in the mortgage and everything, it's, I wasn't a big believer in it. I, to me, it was just like, ah, you know, hogwash. It's like, you know, things are going to get done. What, you know, it, it wasn't something that I focused on. And then when I encountered the difficulties of 2008, when the market crash hit and, and I found myself having to close the business, having to deal with my own properties that were basically underwater by hundreds of thousands of dollars in a matter of months and all these different obstacles. I had to make a decision and, you know, it didn't come easy where, you know, I had to kind of learn the hard way that, that having the mindset really does play a huge role in your ability to get through difficult times. Otherwise you'll get buried under it. So, I mean, that's something that to me, it's actually a a big thing. So I, I work on mine on a daily basis.
1: Amazing. And it's critical. So important. How can my listeners contact you?
0: So, the easiest way to contact me, you can go on social media, on Instagram, on Facebook, uh, George Fajardo KPI. You can find me there. Uh, you can also reach out to us on uh, isom360.com uh, if you're interested in learning more about the lead gen platform. And, you know, I'm always accessible, I always respond to my messages. And so I'm, I'm pretty easy to get a hold of.
1: Awesome. George Fajardo, everyone, doing some big things in Florida. Great to connect with you. I learned a lot on this episode and uh, yeah, I know that my listeners got a lot of value from it. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, appreciate it.
1: Thank you for listening. If you want to accomplish your real estate goals, then I highly suggest downloading my free Ultimate Real Estate Goal Setting Framework. The link is in the description of the show